podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome back to another BRFCS podcast. If this is the first time you've given us a try, well thank you very much and welcome on board. If you're a regular listener, it's great to have you back. Let's see what's in this episode. Hello everyone and a warm welcome indeed. Ever get the feeling that some things just aren't going to plan? Well, I'll let you all into a secret. Our plan was to do these monthly during the season, and we've already got the next one pencilled in and guests lined up for the end of August. But then Saturday happened. There was so much message board and Twitter activity on Saturday night, rarely have so many spleens been vented by so many aimed at so few. So we decided to squeeze in a bonus episode, 82B for the record, to assess just where we are after a tumultuous first couple of weeks of this new season. And we try and assess just what the future holds. Let's be honest, we haven't got a clue, but who doesn't enjoy a bit of crystal ball gazing every now and then? As is traditional, we have a panel, but tonight our resident optimist, Mike Delap has not been selected. We did let him know by text, and so as a consequence, he's flown off to Brazil to be with Diego Costa. So let's see whose names are on the team sheet. Live from downtown Blackburn, it's the BRFCS legend that is Cammy. Cammy, good evening. Evening, Ian, everyone. East Lancashire's very own, and this is in his own words, angry, unconsidered idiot. It's the one and only Josh Boswell. Josh, good evening. Good evening. That's probably as good a mood as you're going to be in this evening, I suspect, so we'll make the most of that. It's downhill from here. Splendid stuff. And largely as a result of quite extraordinary campaign of intimidation by her agent, returning to make a second appearance on the pod, yes, it's Nottingham's charity queen, Lynns Lewis. Lynns, sorry about the rider. We couldn't arrange the basket and puppies and the champagne tower at such short notice, but thanks for joining us nonetheless. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I do consider myself Rover's answer to Mariah Carey, so I am disappointed about the puppies, but maybe next time. We need more notice, don't we? We need more notice. We'll get onto the RSPCA and see what we can do in terms of rescue hounds at short notice. Okay, so um, what on earth is going on? Josh, I feel duty-bound to come to you first. Well, it doesn't sound like we're uh, going to finish second like Mikey, the eternal optimist said, does it? Uh, Not great, are we? We're not as good as we thought we were, that's for sure. Um, I think think that's understating it, certainly, but yes. Yeah, I think the the early predictions of, of maybe dropping four or five points throughout the season might have gone out the window. It's... uh, it's a very quick return to reality, unfortunately. Cammy, what do you think's going on? Yeah, um, just it was just bemused on Saturday with what I saw on the pitch. Obviously, I haven't, didn't see him on the first game, but um, what I saw on the pitch on Saturday left me bemused and confused, really, by uh, formation that looked wrong. Players didn't look like they were knew what they were doing um, and then obviously errors that led to each of the 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 goals for Doncaster so it's just bemusement and confused really because our squad is good enough 
to be able to challenge teams at this particular level. But what I saw on the pitch was anything but um, uh, challenging uh, a team at this level. Linz, dare I ask? Well, I was very cross on Saturday. I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows. Um, I think for me, because I was at Coventry on Tuesday, it was just such a different... It was the same formation, but such a different team and such a different vibe. I've still not quite got my head round what's gone wrong. Given that you saw them at Coventry, Coventry had, I think it's it's fair to say, not the full-strength side out, and they are, of course, these days a League Two side. Was it just the quality of the opposition then and Rovers were able to flatter themselves? Well, I mean, I think there was no Graham on Tuesday um, and he looked very isolated on Saturday and I'm a massive Danny Graham fan, but I don't think that formation suits him. And I think the scoreline at times was flattering for us. There were periods when Coventry looked at our level, but we were we were having a go. We were, you know, you're only going to score if you have a shot. And I can't actually remember how long into the game on Saturday it was before we had a shot. Whereas on Tuesday, we were pinging them from 25, 30 yards and we saw they were going in, we were testing the keeper. And actually, for me, it boils down to they looked interested on Tuesday and on Saturday, they just didn't look bothered. It was like 11 strangers had turned up and thought they'd have a kick about. Yeah, yeah. I think my my overriding observation of Saturday was um, the midfield just kept going square and back and square and back. And there was very little pace... Well, there's no pace down either flanks. I'm sure we'll mention Cadiz in, 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 well, short order, I would have thought. There was nobody taking anybody on. Nobody driving forward or trying to um, commit one of the opposition. What, what, what do we think's going wrong and, and, and why? Yeah, Josh, back to you again. What's... We're missing Jason Law. <laughs> We're missing the driving, powerful forward runs of Jason Law. Um, He'd have fit right in on Saturday. <laughs> he would have, yeah, sideways and backwards, Jason. Um, I think the main thing here is it sounds like Tony Mowbray's been on the Paul Lambert's uh, out of work tour of all the best clubs in Europe. He's found out that uh, they all seem to be playing this funky 3 3 2 1 1 thing, um, and he seems to be trying to copy it. Um, to be honest with you, Early doors in pre-season, I did sort of flag that it was a little bit strange that he was saying that um, he was going to adapt the formation depending on the teams that we were playing. I think, you know, with the highest spenders in this league, can you imagine if Pep Guardiola came out and said, oh, we're going to change our tactics every week to try and face the challenges of Huddersfield and West Brom? If you're serious and... You know, this campaign that he started at the start of the season where only promotion will do, and you've got the biggest budget, and you know, you're still paying Danny Graham best part of 20 grand a week to be your main man. You've got to be going out there and attacking teams. You can't be playing one up front at home to Doncaster, surely. Surely you've got to have a little bit. I mean, the star man, Bradley Dack, no longer on Twitter, he's, he's left on the bench. This, you know, we've got. Half of these players that he's signed, granted, needed to sign a lot of players because we got rid of a lot of crap. But you you can't sign all these players and then essentially go in t- with the same team or a very similar team that get you relegated from the championship. You'd like to think he's identified some of the problems, which I, you know every, everyone shouts out about. Is Mulgrew centre back? We're not sure. 
Lenihan obviously doesn't want to play ball. Um, right back's been a problem since I don't know Salgado, I'd guess. And and we we've got Cadiz here and Niambi here, but Niambi's playing right centre back and Cadiz is playing right wing and it it it, uh, it does feel like he he might be getting it very wrong, but equally you know with that budget and the talent that, that is available I'm sh- I think we're at the stage now where you have to you can no longer question the talent we've actually found a league where we have got a decent side here and and we're still getting it wrong well you say that Cadiz Saturday um, I have some thoughts I'll hold them back for the moment Linz what's your view on Cadiz um for me, it's, it comes back to formation. He, he's being played in the wrong position and you talked about the midfield having nothing. For me, we didn't have a midfield. We had a back seven. And I, you know, I was speaking to people who weren't at the game and they were saying, what are we playing? And I genuinely didn't know. I couldn't work out who was where. It took me 35 minutes to find Derek Williams, which I am a bit blind, which doesn't help. But where was he? Elliot Bennett completely out the game. So, yeah, there's issues all over the pitch. Caddis does doesn't bother me as much as some of the others and I've read some of the Twitter messages on him and I know he's not the world's most popular man but when you're playing in a formation that doesn't work the best players in the world can't achieve what they should be achieving so do you buy players to fit a formation or when you uh, or do you decide these are the players that I've got and try and work something out Cammy, which way around do you think Mowbray's trying to do it here? I think he's bought these players with a view to playing a certain style of play um, but what you see on the pitch isn't working. Um, he seems to have overcomplicated things and it's, they seem confused. They genuinely look confused to me. The movement wasn't there. Did it move up the pitch as a team or, or back as as a unit? We didn't look like a unit and they looked confused. It's like he's asking them to do things that they're not used to or not comfortable doing. Um, I think that the thing is, these players are League One players because they're not good enough for the Premier League or, or Championship, most of them. So they lack football intelligence. So you've got to keep it simple. You've got to make it simple and easy for them to understand because I'm not saying they're thick, but a player at the Premier League level will be able to process information much in a better way than, than these guys in the league want. So you've got to simplify what you want them to do, play something that they're used to, which is generally four four two, and and play simple football. But what we were seeing was confused players. So when they got the ball, all um, Dogcaster were doing was sitting back and our players really didn't know what they were doing. So they just passed it sideways and backwards because that's their default position because they didn't know how to break down a team so they just thought oh we've got the ball we'll just pass it around so we've got to simplify everything and and play a formation and a style of football which uh, they feel comfortable with I have the misfortune to work with a lot of Bolton Wanderers fans and and they've been telling me all two two weeks that our squad is much better than what they had last year but what they found was that this league is aggressive strong and direct and, and all uh, their manager did last year was to make them organised, use their physical power and, and play a direct form of football and, and they got up. Um, he said if you try to complicate stuff in this division, you're going to come unstuck because teams will just, just 
bulldoze you. You've got to have the physicality and aggressiveness first before you can start playing all this, um, you know, pity patty football, which which doesn't work in this league. It's an interesting view, I must admit, because the thing that confused me on Saturday the most is we seem to have Whittingham and Bennett trying to perform a similar role. And that wasn't what I had expected, I must admit. I thought Whittingham, I know he's not got the pace to be a genuine left winger like he was when he was much younger, but I did expect him to be, this is a throwback if we've got any older listeners, more of a Dave Wagstaff. He would make the ball do the work, but there would be lots of long, probing, intelligent passes. If you like, more like a two guy, he'd stop, he'd have a look, and he'd play a really cutting-edge pass. What I saw on Saturday was an awful lot of two, three five-yard sideways and backwards passes, and that wasn't what I expected from him at all. Bennett, I know he's popular, he runs around a lot and he's capable of pulling a world yet, but on Saturday he just seemed to be running across the field and, and getting in each other's way. And as a number of you have said already, Graham was isolated up front. But 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 Bennett's, Bennett's best ever season as a footballer was playing right wing-back for Bristol City. Yet we're struggling for right wing-backs. Well... And we've got Bennett playing in this weird role that no one really understands. What, what, what did you make of that, the, the two players hovering behind Graham? I mean, what, 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 what do you think is, is Mowbray's grand design, I guess, is what I'm getting at? When he sent that team out, what do you think he hoped he would, would achieve? Um, the, the formation, actually, is a popular formation, and it is really successful. Um... And there's a lot of top clubs in the world, and you know, looking around Europe, that are playing this formation and playing it. But it's like Cammy says, you know, these are these are top quality players that are on international stages and European stages, and and they they can process it and they can understand what's going on a lot easier. It seems. Um, for me, the the team was put out to try and help Peter Whittingham against Doncaster um, it seemed like we put Evans and Smallwood there to run and in sort of that two guy Robbie Savage mould where Robbie Savage did all the running and two guy did all the football I think I think that's that's the plan that he's trying to get to is that Whittingham's going to act as some sort of a quarterback dictating receiving the ball from Smallwood and Evans dictating playing starting you know nice nice footballing moves but the reality is in this league it's not going to work and you don't need to do it if that's Whittingham's role what what's Bradley Dack's role well Bradley Dack is is the uh is the link up to the striker isn't it he, he's I think I think the plan is he's going to try and feed off Graham and Graham's going to you know harry the ball down win the ball and Bradley Dack's going to be stood behind him um, where Whittingham's probably going to be just in front of the back three or, or four or wherever we end up playing. Um, and they'll sort of operate in very similar roles, but opposite sides of the pitch. Right. Well, that's, so, as, that's as far as I can see. I may well be very wrong. I have been before. Can we go on to No, I think at a basic level, to play this kind of formation, you need a lot of pace in the team so that you can absorb a bit of pressure and then use your technical players to, like someone like Whittingham or something, to exploit a team when they come forward. But you need a bit of pace in your side. And we, that's one thing we haven't got across 
the whole pitch we haven't got any pace so you're trying to play a formation which the players don't look comfortable doing a style of play which isn't working because you need pace you need pace out wide you need pace up front to try and turn teams around and we haven't got it so that's why then you see players just passing the ball around for the sake of passing and, and not really getting anywhere and it made it very easy for Doncaster to, to defend properly and I didn't go to, this, uh, to the first game but um, people on the message board and people that I know said it was almost identical to the, to the South End performance so it's worrying, you know, it's worrying. Well, to say it's not the start anybody wanted is a statement of the blindingly obvious but um, I mean how worried should we be? Linz? Is this just teething troubles and it's all going to be all right? They just need more time on the training ground? Or have we wasted uh, a pre-season and a transfer window? I think it's also about context. He's come into a club in disarray, as we know. He's brought a little bit of hope. And I sit in the family stand on Saturday. It was full. There was you know, people who had come back after years of not having had season tickets, people bringing their kids. There was that little bit of excitement again. And after 60 minutes, that had all gone. And I think this is the difficulty. He hasn't got a patient fan base, nor should he have, but he hasn't. So he isn't going to be allowed the time that some other managers would be allowed. And as a club, we we aren't going to stand for it. And I've never sort of sat so early in the season hearing people chant, you're not fit to wear the shirt. And I think that's the thing, is we've trusted in him as an individual to get these players playing. But I didn't see anybody who particularly cared on Saturday. And is that down to Mowbray? Is that down to them as individuals? But they need to turn it around and fast because we've already lost a lot of the fan base. We will continue to lose people. And if we get stuck in this league, where where do we go? And I say stuck, you know, at the moment, getting stuck seems good. I'm trying to work out where a point's going to come from. Well, I was having a little... I did a little bit of research before the part. It's scary that I'm doing a bit of homework. And I had a look at some... Um, interesting seasons from time from the time I've been sporting Rovers and in 1974-5 which was a promotion year out of tier 3, I know this is resonating with you young people, um, but Gordon Lee's side won 3 out of the first 4 league games and momentum was built up from there and on they went uh, I know I've, I've banged on along with um, Jim Wilkinson and his articles as well and the narrations that I've done for the podcast, Howard Kendall won 1 out of his first 10 league games uh, do you remember dear old Ray Harford back in 1996-97? Uh, can anybody remember how many of the first 11 league games were won under Ray? I can't, but I've got your schedule in front of me. And I know <laughs> the fact that we <laughs> so won you've read nine, my homework. It was a big fat zero. Seven. It was a big fat zero. Yeah, the first victory came in a home match against Liverpool thanks to the caretaker management of Tony Parks. Um, so you know there are there are numerous instances of poor starts, and people have been scrabbling back to look at Sheffield United start last season and all the rest of it. But you, you, I guess we're looking to cling on to a lifeboat at the moment and just sort of say what, what, what where are the positives? So has, has anybody emerged with any credit so far? Um, Linz, who have you seen that you've thought, oh yeah, I like I like the look of that. Um, I was impressed with Richie Smallwood. Yeah, small ward at Coventry and a little bit on Saturday. Um, and I thought when Ben Gladwin came on, he brought something different, though the end product wasn't good enough for me. Um, and we do need to sort his hair out. You know, on the side note, there are some very <laughs> questionable hairstyles in that team that do need looking at, but we'll get some points first. So, yeah, for me, um, small ward I'm impressed with. But again, where does he fit in that formation? Uh, that's 
it just keeps coming back to that for me. I think the squad is good and there is some talent there. And if Bradley Dack can, you know, stay off Love Island, I think there's some talent there as well. But if we're playing them in the wrong positions, I I, I don't see where we where we go. Cammy? Yeah. Anybody caught your eye? Again. For the right reasons? Again, uh, Smallwood uh, looked looked decent. Um, he sort of... See, but again, it's what Lynn said. Where does he fit into that formation? But at least he came, asked for the ball, tried to do some positive things and, and looked like a, a fairly decent player. So, yeah, he's the one that's really impressed me. Um, I haven't seen many of the other games, so it's hard to comment. But certainly, uh, Smallwood uh, did impress me in what was not a very impressive performance generally, but, but he came out with some credit. Josh, you're all glass half empty. <laughs> I think Samuel can play. Um, scored? Um, yeah, he scored. Is, is it 2 now? 2, I think, maybe. Um, I think he can play. He can, he can definitely be a, a different option. It's a long time since we had any sort of pace up there, really. Um, but yeah, I think at, at this sort of level... He, he might, you know, get you 15 goals a season. I'll echo um, the Smallwood observation. I've only seen the game on Saturday. And I thought in the first half, he gave us something that we've lacked for a while, probably since the Savage days, which was a guy who ran towards the opposition when they got the ball and nipped at them and committed a few fouls and raked his studs in one instance down the back of the Achilles of the opposition player. But he let them know he was there. In the second half, though... Something changed, and I don't know whether it was he was knackered or he was injured or the instructions that he'd been given were different, but I just don't think he, he got stuck in. The goal, the first goal coming as early as it did, uh, I mean, was an absolute uh, an absolute dagger to the heart, right enough. But I was looking round for a leader uh, when the goal went in. I was looking for someone, to, and I was looking at Mulgrew, I make no bones about it, and nothing seemed to happen. Who is the natural leader of that side? Cammy, who do you think is... is the man who should be dragging them up by the coattails. It would be Mulgrew or Lennyhan. I know Lennyhan's head is all over the place, uh, but if they can get through the transfer window with him still here and get him refocused, he's a natural leader. I've seen him play at the academy level and, and he's definitely got the traits that you look for in the captain. But other than that, um, probably Mulgrew. He's got the experience. He's you know an international player. I assume he commands the respect of a lot of the players. So... So it'd be the Lenihan or Mulgrew for me. Do you think he looked up for it on Saturday? No, I don't think. I think he was not. I mean, the thing with him is you don't know if he's fit or he's injured for a start. Um, so you've got to take that into account. But he didn't look like the player that he was last year where he was much more committed. But, you know, he may have been carrying an injury or uh, when we were, you know, he was maybe got his head turned with other clubs being after him and he's probably thinking geez I don't want to be in League One um, doing a relegation battle so so I'm, I'm sure there's stuff going on in the background with him and, and the number of clubs that are interested in but but yeah he certainly didn't look like the player that we, we had last year when he was playing mm, Indeed, so first home game of the season and the fans are singing you're not fit to wear the shirt and not in isolated numbers and, I, and not quietly either, for that matter. I've never ever seen something like that in the first home game of the season before. I've heard the chant, you know, we had our Brian kid. Uh, I think we experienced similar, uh, Steve Keane naturally, and, and all the rest of it. Our next home fixture is against Burnley. Good thing or bad thing? Josh? Terrible. 
the worst thing that could happen, really. I mean, unfortunately, the gap is big at the moment between Blackburn and Burnley. Uh, the last thing, uh, and you know, everyone says it's a cup game, who knows what will happen. But the bookies don't get many things wrong, and I guarantee the bookies have Burnley odds-on favourites. Um, if we get tanked off Burnley, then... It's not. It's not. So, it's not so much the fact that you know you might lose to Burnley and and that side of it. It's what effect it'll have on the season and what effect it'll have on um, sort of the fans and and their approach. Because you know, if you think you're not fit to wear the shirt, was bad against Doncaster at home. If if we go four nil down against Burnley, it's going to be a bit worse. To me, it's a bit like going to the doctor and the doctor sort of saying, you can take this tablet and there's a 50% chance that it'll give you 10 years of extra life or there's a 50% chance it'll kill you dead dead on the spot. What do you think? Linz, are you looking forward to the Burnley game? I think looking forward to is generous. Um, I think for us as fans, it's always exciting and we'll be out in numbers and obviously the pricing's come out today and I think that's reasonable. But it is going to go one or two ways. We're either going to take an absolute spanking or we're going to have some kind of miracle. But my concern is even if we beat them, is it masking a bigger issue? So as much as I'd love to beat them, for me, the league is the most important thing. And obviously I said last time I was on, I wasn't bothered about this fake cup. That all goes out the window now we play Burnley. But we need to get some points on the board. We need to find a formation that works for us. And yeah, it's going to be great to have Ewood full or nearly full, but no one's going to come back if we play like we did on Saturday. And I don't know what the attendance was. I don't think we put it out on Saturday, but we are going to just keep losing people if we don't see a bit of passion. And actually, if they can't show any against Burnley, we really are up the creek without a paddle. Mm. It's, it is a bit like going in casino and putting everything on red or black. Candy, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I, I, I'm the opposite. I think it's brilliant. I think the fans will be out in numbers. You know, they'll be behind the team. Doesn't matter if we get off to a bad start. I think most people realise that you know Burnley are a far better team than we are. But I think it could actually bring everyone together if the players put the effort and produce some kind of performance, even if we don't beat them. But they see that there's some effort going in. Fans will get behind them. And and you never know, you know, we may may be able to to surprise them. I'm I'm worried about it, but for some strange reason, I'm possibly not as worried about this as I was when the run was going, the thirty odd year run. It just feels like we we have nothing to lose, or rather, I thought that ahead of Saturday. But yeah, we we still do have something to lose if we get an absolute tanking. Um, but it could be it could just be the catalyst that that helps to turn things around. But Bradford City away. That's not an easy fixture, certainly not with the way that they've started. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be quite a tough tough couple of weeks. Um, Josh, I'm going to make you manager of Blackburn Rovers. What would what would you do? You go into training tomorrow. What what would you do to rattle the cage and sort this out? Well, I have quite a close friend that's a Bradford fan, and he assures me that while their attack is quite good, their defence is absolutely terrible. Um, and that, that's uh, his words so I think it's a strange one really because what would I do I'd start playing four four two, but I can't you can almost I mean Mowbray may have to live or die by the sword but I can see him 
sticking to it and saying, no, this is how we're playing and you're going to have to play this way and you're going to have to get used to it and you're going to have to start getting good at it. Um, I, I genuinely think he might do that. I don't think he'll be changing formation. Um, I don't either. I think he's, yeah, I think he's definitely going to stick to it. And <sighs> it's, it is early days, isn't it? I mean, this is negative man here. It is early days. It, it is only two games, two league fixtures. Um, it, it, it's way too early to write the entire season off. And if they do get accustomed to playing this formation and they can't work it out, they're in with one hell of a chance of having a decent season. But I just think, I, I just think we should we should have started the season playing a formation everyone knows, everyone understands, and then maybe you know when when you've got some points on the board, you're doing well, the fans are on side, you're doing nicely in the league. And then look to potentially do a little couple of tweaks and catch some teams off guard. Not, I'm sure it wasn't his plan to lose the first two games, but now now he's in that situation. I feel like he's almost stuck in it. So what would I do? I'd play four four two. What do I think he'll do? Carry on as we are. Tammy, what do you think? If you were in charge, what would you do, and what do you think Mowbray will do? I'm I'm with you guys. I would change the formation. Uh, get back to four four two, something that the players are comfortable doing. Make it simple, and 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 you know just try and, and get a result instead of playing this fancy damn football. What I think he'll do is comments after the game, pretty clear that he was saying that it's not the formation. Um, so he's going to he's going to stick with that formation. Um, I mean, like you guys said, it's only two games in, and we've had a whole load of new players coming in, so you've got to take that into account. So so there will be a a period where where of transition, but uh, it did concern me a little bit that he wasn't. He was saying that the, it wasn't the formation that was a problem with the players, and and he's going to be you know, pretty much, I think, going to say to him, "You've got to get this to work." Um, I know a commentary fan, and um, apparently I haven't read these, but apparently Mowbray did admit when he lost the job at commentary that he <laughs> he found this uh, league. Managing at this level a struggle because of the way he likes his teams to play. Um, so that's a worry. <laughs> you know, if, if he's actually said that, then that's a worry that he hasn't learnt from his previous experience. And I think he's a purist. He likes to play a certain way, and he expects his players to go out and do what he's telling them to do. But I don't think he's someone who takes into account that the level that he's playing at. So you know, playing this kind of football at a championship. You, you you can do it, but at this level, I don't think it's possible. Absolutely. absolutely. There are a couple of interesting stats flying around on Twitter at the weekend. One, I think, from um, Exiled Lank, uh, who said he'd gone, was it 12 games, the last 12 games at Coventry in this division without a win? And he's had two games with us so far, so I think it's 14 games, the last 14 games that Mowbray has managed. I think I've got that number right. Uh, in this division, so echoing your point there, uh, he has found it difficult to get wins in this division. And the other one was from um, Andrew Robinson on Twitter, who said, we haven't scored first and retained the lead at half-time since the Wolves' home game last year, which is quite extraordinary. Because I think every manager that we've had in the last year, in the last two years, has sort of like been, you know, we're coming out on the front foot, we want to get at an early and this, that and the other. Uh, and we just don't seem to have that momentum and that impetus early on to take control of a game and dictate the play. 
we always seem to be coming from behind the eight ball and trying to uh, trying to rescue something. So it's uh, it's interesting stuff. Um, Bradford City away, Burnley at home, MK Dons at home. What what do we need from those three fixtures? If we let's just say we don't expect anything from Burnley as long as we don't get a good tonking, that's okay. Bradford away, MK Dons at home, Linz. What would be looking for as a points target from those two games? Four. I'll take four. Um, obviously, I'd like six, but the last time I saw us play MK Dons, they spanked us, so I'm going to hold back there. Don't know a great deal about Bradford. I'm going on Saturday, so I think for me, to make my travel worth it, all I want to see is a bit of passion. I want to see a leader. I want to see people that care. And why are you playing Danny Graham if you're not going to give him any kind of service so for me it's quite a simple solution but I don't get paid the big bucks to think this so yeah four points and a bit of passion and I'll be back to my little smiley self but if not avoid my Twitter because <laughs> there will be a lot of swearing because Saturday is one of the worst performances I can remember and I think I only missed one home two home games last season but Saturday was awful really really poor it wasn't good it really wasn't good I must admit, having dropped down a division, I was hopeful of uh, some sort of fresh start and was just looking a class above. Because yeah, if, if last season we'd have drawn Doncaster at home in the Cup, I know they were a, a division lower down last year, yeah, you just you just go along expecting to win and, and I don't know, it just, just seemed to have drifted. So, um, conscious of time, unless there's any, any other business, Josh, anything else that you'd like to say that you don't feel we've covered? Uh, well, what else would I like to say? I don't think Wood and Mulgrew can play together. And I, I want to see Scott Wardson play. Isn't Other he injured than... at the moment? Or is there a conspiracy theory about his contract or something? I'm not sure. Uh, he may well be injured, in which case I sound stupid. But if he's not injured, I don't think Wood and Mulgrew can play together because between them, they are two experienced heads and there's no one to do all of the running and clearing up. Yeah. And I yeah, think between them, there may be a little bit of a of a power struggle potentially quietly going on. Linz, final thought. I'm looking forward to having Conway back for footballing reasons <laughs> rather than non-footballing reasons. I do think we miss him. Um, obviously, he was injured at the beginning of the last season, and when he came back, he made a difference. And I think he will now as well. And I think if we're talking about a leader and we're talking about somebody with a bit of passion, I think Conway brings that. So I don't know how far off he is being back, but I do think we've got to bear in mind there's obviously the Lenehan situation, Conway as well. We have got some quality to come back. And as much as I'm not a fan of Bradley Dak as a person, hopefully now the Love Island saga is over. For me, he needs to start and he's going to be really important for us as well going forward. Hmm, we shall see. Cammy, finally from yourself. Yeah, just looking forward to getting a win somehow. I think if we get one win, might get a bit of confidence. Um, the ability is there. You know, the squad is good for for this league, so we've got that. Um, and just hoping that we can get just one win, hopefully on Saturday, and that can then push us on and and we can move forward. Echo that. Echo that certainly. Uh, and I certainly echo the point made earlier. But I just hope we don't get tanked by Burnley. Um, I think we'll be okay against Burnley. There, I've put it out there. Oh, so God. you can blame me now if it goes wrong. <laughs> You're a I'm brave quite, man. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised Sky aren't showing it, considering the other features yeah, yeah. in in that. I mean, it's a local derby. You know you're going to get a yeah. good crowd in. Very, very surprised yeah. that they've chose West Ham versus Cheltenham, I think, or something. So, bizarre. Yeah. One last thing. Yep. Andre Gray, 95 grand a week. 
My God, he is laughing for the bank, isn't he? <laughs> Nearly 100 grand a week for Andre Gray. My God. He'll be able to afford as many tickets for the director's box as he can possibly lay <laughs> his hands on. <laughs> and a couple of million signing on fee. My, it's mental, that, isn't it? Properly mental. World's gone mad, my friend. I mean, ne- Neymar's mad. a bargain at 20 million and 100 grand a week for Andre exactly. Gray. Exactly. Okay, well, that just about wraps it up then for this emergency State of the Nation podcast. Maybe that's what we'll call this episode. Uh, Thanks once again to our panellists for giving up their time at short notice to contribute, and even more so to uh, those of you out there for actually listening to us. It's it's very very reassuring to get some feedback. All three uh, of you. that you enjoy this. (laughs) Yes, yes. Hopefully it's four or five after this one, but uh, there we go. We hope that tonight's conversation has saved some of you at least some psychiatrist bills. And all being well, we'll be back at the beginning of September with another edition, maybe even reflecting on a glorious win over Burnley. Oh, God, I've really tempted fate now, haven't I? Anyhow, thanks once again and bye for now. Podcast Network.